0: Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week the team from the editorial side of Hotel Analyst gather to discuss some topics of interest that have caught our eye in the last week or so. You find us, uh, me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, sat at the desk of Insight alongside Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. Uh, if you like what you hear, don't forget to pop along to our website hotelanalyst.co.uk Uh, where you can read in much more detail about the topics we'll be talking about today. Now, the first thing that's caught our eye, and it's good news all round, I think, is that there are still some deals taking place in uh, locked down hotels. Uh, The most impressive is the fact that the owner of uh, the majority stake of Maybourne Hotels has managed to renegotiate or negotiate a 392 million pound loan, to which he's refinanced his mortgage. Well, Mobile Group hotels, the Connaught and the Barclay are being used to support that deal. Um, a Le- new Leonardo hotel in Manchester is going to be going ahead with uh, development finance coming from the Greater Manchester Pension Fund and uh, PPHE who've got a lot of hotels in London and are developing even more uh, have pulled in a bank loan to help them start development of their new art hotel in uh, Hoxton in uh, the trendy part of London uh, and in fact the news reached us this morning of, a, of a, yet another um, backing of a development project, uh, also in East London, uh, and that's for one of Hilton's new canopy hotels. Uh, it seems that there's plenty going on. Uh, Andrew, are you surprised?
1: I, well, I think a lot of these financings are things that are already in train before the crisis. Uh, I, I would be. Um, shocked I think um, if there was much being put out in the way of development financing um, going forward I just don't see that I mean that's gonna be dead for a number of years depending on how negative you want to be in terms of outlook but um, I I don't actually see the uh, um, development piece coming back um, for several years Um, the reality is that most hotels are going to be below replacement cost right now. Development doesn't make sense in an environment like that Um, and we're still a long way from finding the bottom of the current crisis. It's still very much uh, known unknown I think where where the bottom is going to be and what I would note is that things are getting more pessimistic by the day in that sense. I mean if we look at the macroeconomic picture we're having and um, just if we look in the UK context we've got the Bank of England, we've got the Treasury both saying that yep the, the Office of Budget Responsibilities uh, a scenario of 35% drop is realistic, but they say the V shape afterwards is not realistic, and they're expecting a much more uh, gradual climb out of the hole, the very deep hole that's being dug. Um, so I, I think that that that's quite a quite a challenge. I think um, in terms of any any financing we've got going forward. I mean, I think the point you had in the article, um, Chris, that when you talked to Coon, bank and they said well look how can you rely on anything that comes with a trading estimate in this environment that's absolutely right any financing based on on trading look um, simply not gonna it's not doable anymore um, and until we have some clarity on what future trading is it's not going to be doable they you, you know you pays your money you make your choice on what that point is going to be I'm quite bearish as regular listeners to this podcast no know <laughs> um, we're not going to see any clarity i don't think probably until the end of the year on, on what that's going to be like i think there's a whole bunch of things as well in terms of future hotel profitability which uh, which are going to be a big challenge in the medium term I mean clearly we're going to open hotels in some sort of social distancing well what's profitability going to be looking like well you know you're not going to be able to pack people in to restaurants you're going to have to bin your buffets you're going to have to have table service you're going to have to be very careful how many guests you have to avoid any overcrowding or packed lifts I mean there's going to be some properties which simply are going to be unable to. Open in in a social distancing environment. Um, Maybe they simply haven't got the lifts, they haven't got the the right um, space areas. Um, There's a whole bunch of challenges which are going to come forward, and we're only just beginning to get a sense of what that's going to be. And it's going to take quite a few months before we get that. And as we've repeatedly said, it's a vaccine, it's um, testing so that we know who has and who hasn't got the virus, which is is going to be absolutely vital you have to have all of that stuff in place before we get back to anything like business as usual and that unfortunately is 18 months more realistically two years away now let's
0: look at another part of the operational real estate landscape but one where buildings feature desks rather than beds uh, and that's the uh, serviced office sector a um, famous and uh, ever so sexy for the last couple of years because of the rise of uh, that exciting newcomer we work which of course told us all that it was a tech company but actually it was really a property company and as the world's come to realise that so WeWork's fortunes appear to have waned and uh, are even looking worse now with uh, the coronavirus lockdown because almost nobody wants to rent a flexible serviced office right now Andrew, you see some real problems coming to this space. I mean, what we saw, what we had a look at in our perspective this week was that uh, you know, IWG, or used to be known as Regis, is, uh, is still kind of battling it out there and in its 30th year has been through previous downturns, so should be best placed to cope with this one. Whereas the, um, the up and coming new- newcomers in the space are looking like they're kind of uh, the tides gone out and they didn't have much on.
1: Yeah, I think it's a real paradox uh, in, in, with players like the the co-workers right now. Um, at first sight in the trading environment is terrible who on earth would want to be in this business but I think ironically what people it's exposing is the need for all real estate investors to understand what's going on in these businesses and actually if they're going to bother understanding them they're going to want to take an active part in them and get exposure to the underlying operating business so if anything it's only going to speed up the move into operational real estate now, my favourite thing on, on, on this has been that we do have had this spate of co-living and co-working. And people have talked about it. has been co-everything these days. And I don't think they thought about it was going to be COVID. They just didn't see that one coming. Um, but I think the reality of what the virus is going to do the impact of the virus is that it's going to speed up changes which were taking place anyway and we're, we're about to talk about um, OTAs in the hotel context and certainly I think one of the aspects is going to speed up uh, particularly in real estate is digitization and I think the the, the digital trends which we've been just beginning to see you know prop tech and all of these funny jargony words um that's only going to accelerate i think um in the post covid world the the other one here um which I, I, I think we which we 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 need to look at is is this notion of um or focus on operational real estate and and the push into that um, and the push into having more flexible arrangements, and in, in, specifically in terms of opera, in terms of flex offices, um, what you're going to see are uh, the historically blue chip clients, you know, the accountancy practices, the law firms, wanting more flexible space, not wanting to sign up for long term leases, and wanting um, for many of their workforce to, to sort of work you know two three days a week from home but come in for a day or two days a week into the office to to integrate with the team to to have the sort of the culture of the business imbued into them and then go away to work just as efficiently with the new tech um, delivery systems in place to work just as efficiently remotely from home and this is a huge saving in terms of overhead in terms of the, 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 the type of office they're going to need um, but they'll be prepared to pay a little bit more for those tenancies and I think we're going to see the, the growth of, of flex office provision greatly accelerated by, by this change
0: and of course one of the things that uh, we saw in the last sort of year or perhaps all, or 18 months or so has been several of the big office landlords finally kind of getting their act together in terms of delivering some kind of a serviced or managed office product so I guess there'll be a lot more of a, of a demand for, for companies asking to pay per workstation rather than per square meter
1: absolutely and I, I think this is this is why the, the real estate owners going to have to have a a much greater understanding of what's going on inside the buildings and get involved in that because these these new models um re, you know have much greater risk much greater exposure as we're seeing right now but potentially there are greater returns in there and if you're an investor you're going to say well actually why don't I just go and own an operating company or at least invest in that operating company to to maximize my um uh, returns it, 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 through this investment so it th- the, if you look at the original WeWork model it was a kind of lease arbitrage play so they were taking on a long-term lease and they were the charging more overall for a whole series of short-term contracts and they were squishing lots of co-workers into a fairly tight spaces spaces which you know you wouldn't normally get away with if you're offering it on a long-term lease basis obviously in a social distancing world that's gone now Um, and there's this sort of medium term uh, massive problem for all these co-workers but I think longer term very much it's going to be a a, a flex office world.
0: And of course uh, flex office world into which several hotel companies have already thrown their hats. Yeah
1: and one, one other thing I think you know which we're going to see here um, is uh, with some of the the flex office players if we you know if the the astute real estate owners the landlords realise that this is a problem we could well see rent for equity swaps um, as being a possible solution and way out for some of these troubled um, co-working players
0: Now let's look at uh, another area that might be up for a bit of a shakeout um, and that's online marketing and uh, we've got uh, we've got the OTAs uh, in in the hotel sector uh, all pretty much uh, had their revenue chopped to nearly nothing as the hotels have, have been locked down uh, and wondering what to do next they've been just like the hotel brands been gathering in cash as best they can to tide them over. Uh, but of course the, for every every week that goes on with hotels not using these routes to market online there will be growing doubts in their mind about whether the arrangement has been an entirely e- equitable one over the recent years. Time uh, Everyone's hunkering down and raising funds left, right and centre including Airbnb who's drawn in $2 billion in the last two or three weeks um, and uh, Booking.com who've chucked out about four billion dollars of senior notes to uh, draw in extra extra cash. Um, Andrew where do you see this heading?
1: yeah do you know I'm I'm split on this (laughs) um I'm uh, uh, one way uh, you you look at it you say well this is just going to be a repeat of what happened post 9-11 massive amounts of distress um in on the hotel side lots of um inventory hoteliers are looking to unload um they're going to want to dump that on the market as quickly as possible and the OTAs are going to be able to drive up their their margins quite quickly um, on the basis of this. Maybe or maybe it's a chance for the hoteliers to completely reset this whole relationship. I haven't quite worked out in my head which way this is going to play out and it's not entirely clear yet which way it's going to go. I think there are a number of factors which are going to impact that. But something I'm, I have a bit more of a settled view on is regarding Airbnb and I, I think in terms of their you know the fears um, about Airbnb taking over the hotel industry, that's for the birds now, they're clearly not going to be able to do that. Um, the, the bigger question is whether it, 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 is Airbnb going to survive in the long term. Are there some private
0: equity players betting hard that they will?
1: Mm, moderately, I mean you could see it as a bit of a punt, you know um, that. Um, if you look at the structures they've put in place in terms of its senior debt, um, their top of the pile, um, it, you know, that could be a punt to sort of say, well, look, if they're going to go bang, I'd like to have first dibs on the pickings that's that's out there I mean there's going to be value there still the brand the Airbnb brand has great consumer reach I mean it it vies with Hilton as being the strongest brand in our sector Um, and that's off the back of a decade of you know barely a decade of trading so you know they've done very very well and you can't um Uh, you know you shouldn't knock it for that success Um, but I I, I think the the valuation it was sitting on sort of 30 Billion plus—that's long gone. Um, You know, there was a notional valuation of 18 billion in these in these restructurings, Uh, or this this debt that's been offered there. um, But again, I think that's way way too high uh, for what it currently is worth. Um, There's been a push. You know, Airbnb has talked about moving into the long-term let field. Well. No way are they going to survive any push into that, and they've got to work out exactly what it is they're going to be doing, and at the same time they've got to deal with the the ongoing regulatory challenges. And historically, we've we've talked about this within the pages of Hotel Analyst in terms of three principal areas where. Um, Airbnb has to, has to demonstrate that it has taken appropriate regulations. The biggest and most important is life safety, but it's also got to start demonstrating it's adhering to planning rules, and it's got to start doing something about paying taxes. Now, I think life safety has made some nominal gestures. It's gonna to have to do a lot, lot more on that area going forward paying taxes has made some gestures as well but it's going to have to do more in terms of ensuring its hosts are complying and I think it's going to come under a huge amount of pressure to start revealing what, what its hosts are, are actually getting and sort of force hosts to comply with tax and that will hugely call into question the supply um, that Airbnb is able to access. Already it's seeing a huge outflow of properties which were on its platform going into long-term lets. Part of the reason I think he was thinking about long-term lets, he was thinking of following its hosts out the door towards (laughs) this. Um, It's not in a position to deliver that, it's not the right right setup for it, it's completely the wrong thing for it to go into. but I think if it's going to survive it's got to deal with those three areas and come back and say look we are whiter than white in these areas this is what we're going to do it needs to do that for the authorities and it needs to do that for um, in particular its uh, guests Um, and a lot of people are saying well look you know you're going to prefer to go to an apartment now rather than a hotel because you haven't got that interaction Um, in terms of what we've just been talking about, you know, at the buffet, the breakfast buffet, or at the lifts and all this kind of stuff. Up to a point, you've got that. But I I think that, you know, what what this is going to raise is a whole lot more pressure. If you're in an apartment block, where there's people letting out some of their apartments on Airbnb, how happy are you going to be to have lots of new people possible viral virus carriers coming into your building you're going to be worrying about that that's going to be a big fear I think and that's going to only build up the regulatory pressure on on Airbnb and I think there's a question of you know which brand is going to be most trusted you know do you trust Hilton to deliver a clean Safe experience um, accommodation, or do you trust Airbnb? Um, and I think that's a you know open question. Albeit that I do see the argument that maybe people would prefer to stay in a separate apartment away from a hotel. Whether that's going to be counterweighted by the stronger brand and the stronger reinsurance of a hotel brand in terms of that offer, um, you know, uh, again, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I suspect that there's going to be significant consolidation here. Um, I suspect that what will happen is, if you look at the future of Airbnb, it's not gonna be an effective competitor to the other three big online travel agents. So you've got Booking.com, by far and away the biggest, you've got Expedia, which is having its own set of troubles right now, and you've got Trip. Now I suspect that one of those three, it makes sense for them to take out airbnb if there's a recovery and that they have the the wherewithal to do it or maybe even google swoops on it Um, if google decides to get into the direct field which it might do if it sees all of the the ad revenue dry up which it certainly is seeing at the moment um, you know that that could well decide well actually now's the time to get into the game is the lowest point of you know lowest cost of entry for us right now let 's get in it and um be in this business directly ourselves, so I think there 's a whole sea of possibilities around how this reshapes, but it 's not going to be looking like in in the next couple of years there 'll be a very different um, structure i suspect to what we what we had going into this um, current um um sort of economic and health meltdown
0: and as one of the people i spoke to when i was researching the the piece this week said you know it it, is ultimately going to be survival of the fittest those who've got the deepest pockets and can can get themselves through this situation will emerge and
1: either take out yeah it it, it is a balance yeah i mean you know looking at it on those numbers you know you'd suggest booking is in the strongest position um, I suspect C Trip will find the money and I suspect if push comes to shove Expedia would be able to tap its shareholders as well. The problem um, Airbnb has it can't access that cheaper capital it's got very very expensive debt to call on um, and, and that makes it extremely vulnerable I think and if this you know if this carries on as we've said already in this podcast as I think it will we're still going to be in a very you know low yielding world well into 2021 Um, um, Airbnb is going to be fundamentally restructured
0: and on that happy note we'll wish you bye for now